Hello guys, welcome back to We Dive Deeper, episode 10. I just want to say a massive, huge thank you to everyone who is commenting and liking on Instagram and messaging on Twitter and stuff. It makes me so happy to know that people are enjoying this podcast. It makes me so happy to do this podcast and I'm just so grateful. Long, long, long may it continue. Having said that, this is actually the last episode of series one. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Mr. Joshua Keogh. He is the singer in a band called Amber Run. And if you haven't heard of them, make sure you go and check them out on Spotify. It's likely you will have heard of them because their song I found is fucking huge. And it's an incredible song. I'm pretty sure it's got about 100 million plays on Spotify. Just such, such talented people. And Meadowlark were lucky enough to go on tour with them actually a couple of times. So I've gotten to know Joe a bit over the years. But to sit down with him like this and have this type of conversation was wonderful. So I'll stop talking. I'll let you hear the conversation and make sure to let us know if you enjoy it. Share it wide on social media and I'll be forever in your debt. Okay, here it is. So, welcome. You are the last guest of series one. Series finale. The series finale is you, Joe Kia. Oh no. How does that feel? <laughs> um, Apart from... A lot of pressure. Uh, <laughs> now... you, feel, you look pretty chilled, to be fair. Well, it's just nice to be amongst friends again, isn't it? Uh, Why is there, what reason is there not to be chilled? Well, exactly. Do you know how this works? Uh, uh, to an extent, Expl- if you could explain it to oh, me I very briefly. Oh, I can do briefly, that for then. you. So I have 70 questions, and they're all probing, intrusive, annoying questions. That... And, and I'm going to answer all 70, because it's phenomenal. <laughs> add every single one. It's going to be quick fire. Yeah. Um, and you're just going to pick a number between 1 and 70. And Joe, we're just going to start from there. Wowee. Uh, 52. 52. Have we ever got 52 before? Ooh. Of the people you spend most of your time with, who brings out your best qualities? Um, who brings out my best qualities? And um, your worst while we're at it. Um, I think that the person who brings out my best qualities is my partner, Daisy. Um, she's hot. She is hot stuff. She's hot tamale. Um, but she's also the kindest, sweetest, most thoughtful, compassionate, hardworking, determined power lady I've ever met in my entire life I, I adore her and wow. um, um, and yeah and she makes me feel really positive about myself as myself because it sounds really really odd um, but obviously we met through music and I had a very long um, period of rating myself on the successes and failures of my career and um that was nothing to do with daisy because daisy was i've been with daisy for like like six and a half years now so like it was she was with me before the band and that was it was a me thing but when the there came there came a period where i was getting really really super super stressed and there was a possibility the band was going to stop and i was like literally who am i uh what do I have to give other than I'm in a I'm in a band? Like every conversation would start with like, how's the music going, rock star? Uh gonna write us a tune, playing in the local pubs, and it's like, obviously not. Otherwise this wouldn't be my career. 
but um it was it was it was through like a a lot of a lot of conversation with Daisy and a lot of you know compassionate uh, speeches that uh, I was able to kind of come to grips with the fact that you know I have more to give than to the people around me than just the music that I write and um yeah she 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 lights everyone up that she's around so I'd say I would say Daisy. I met her on on the tour we did with you, and you can tell instantly she's one of those people that brightens a room. And I hate that saying, but no. it's so so true. It lights up when she's there. She's very positive, wants to know everything about you. She's friendly. Like those people are hard to come across. I think I think there are more than you than you than you'd realize. And I wouldn't. We were speak. We we were just speaking about speaking in definitives before we <laughs> kind of uh, got on the the mics <laughs> but um she does she does light up rooms and um you know i always think it's really really funny because um people expect when when daisy and i as a, as a as a couple go to things for me to kind of like be the kind of like flamboyant uh like you front know, person, front person <laughs> of yeah, of pretty much everything, and and you know, I I often just kind of like follow her like a little toddler, and just like kind of like, you kind of pull the string on the back, and she just runs off, and like is this whirlwind, um, and I think that's really really great because I've always been quite reserved. I've always like, maybe reserved is the wrong words, but it's just a lot of fun to be around. And she brings out the better characteristics of me. Um, yeah, so she's great. And what about the worst? The worst. What am I? What am I? True for like uh, <laughs> failings as a human being. Um, there, there. Are, I reckon there are a few people in my life that I find it quite difficult to be around. Sometimes I can be like desperately in insecure in a very specific way. Like, uh, I have this desperate, desperate need to be loved, but then have this, like, crippling ability to just reject that love whenever I can. Wow. Where do you think that comes from? Um, uh, probably from, probably from, um, I think it's, I think it's a trait that my mum has quite a lot as well, that she works really, really, really hard to make everything perfect for everyone and then when that situation isn't perfect gets very uh you know gets upset so like would you say you're an overly sensitive person i wouldn't say overly sensitive per se i would say that i am sensitive i don't know about overly i can't really it's just very specific things like if you were to be like uh joe uh your hair doesn't look good today. I'd be like, okay, right. Or like, uh, I don't like what you, yeah, I don't like what you're wearing, or like that kind of stuff. I'd be like, okay, fine. It would most be like if I've if I've done something that's right. for you, or if I've done something in general that I think is for the betterment of myself and the people around me. If you were to go like, like why'd you do that? Or like, I'd be like. Ah, yeah. Um, 
I can I can see and loads of stuff in my housemates. I'll cook a dinner. They don't say thank you. I'll be like, all right, well, fuck you. Right, yeah. Go away. Or like, and that's just, you know, we talk about things. That's something I don't like about myself. And that's less, I guess, less to do with them than it is to do with me. But How it takes them you... to be a, be a part of yeah. it. <laughs> How often would you say that affects your like day-to-day life? Does it? Does it happen like once at a blue moon or is it like... I'd say once or twice a week. Yeah. And but, you do you find yourself um, getting out of those kind of holes easily? And do you have any, like, things that you do to get yourself out of those messes? Um, I'm an inherently quite an anxious anxious geezer. Uh, so it, it just, it builds and it ebbs and it flows. Like, for me, how to just stop those kind of feelings and then not even to, to like, even engage them in the first place to stop them, like even turning up i just i've just learned to ha- to have a regime that really really helps me um physical exercise like i play football like three times a week now um i actively go out of my way to feel like i'm doing something productive every single day um those things make me feel good about the life that i'm living and so they help to stop and uh, negate those feelings of because I think it's all I think it's all a big concept of self worth and my ability to think that I don't really have any and I think that's some, a pandemic that is present in a lot of people and spe- specifically in our age group um, and yeah yeah I also think it's probably prevalent in in musicians <laughs> especially I mean even all of us saying the same thing Lewis is saying the same thing in fact most musicians that I know now I'm thinking about it have the same kind of insecurities and maybe maybe that's a massive part of why we write the music that we do yes, I don't know certainly I mean I think we live uh, and I'm assuming you live in the same bubble as me um, we live in we live in a bubble of um so I live in Brighton now, you live in Bristol, so kind of liberal town. <laughs> um, our friends, on the most part, are musicians or creatives. Um, we get this feedback loop of that's how we feel and how you feel, and then, then I'm more acutely aware of what I feel and what you feel, and, and it goes round and round and round because we're surrounded by the same kinds of people. And I think that if we opened up to others and we're in different situations I think we'd find that um, a lot of people feel like this a lot of people feel like this um, is it's what I'm doing for my job fulfilling me is is uh, yeah I think I think it's I think don't think it's, it's an issue that is that's stuck merely on the wall of musicians and creatives I just think that we have a ability and a opportunity to talk and about it and for us to wear it on our sleeves in an artistic sense you know because i was reading a really interesting article about um the concept of the uh um the tortured artist um and how for years uh um you know specifically men have been able to take advantage of this thing to be able to be 
a bit shit. Yeah. To be not a good person. And, um, yeah, I think it's 100% true. <laughs> really? I think every single time that I've ever done something bad or, like, I've beaten myself up or... And it's turned into reacting in a way that I'm not proud of. It's because I've been vindicated by something like that. Wow. And I think... But I think as well that that can be taken away. And I think that if you just took away the artist bit, you could say about so many people that we know, oh, they're just tortured, you know? Yeah. That's why they do the things they do. And that doesn't make it acceptable. Yeah, so, it's kind of a good get-out clause. Isn't yeah, it? I mean, it's an unacceptable get-out clause, you know. And uh, it, it validates people being mean and people being rude and people doing thing, hurtful things. Um, and I would suggest that that, you know, that is rife in, like, business. You know, you see the decisions people make. Oh, they're tortured or they want money. And, like, I don't know, just feel... Yeah, I feel like self-worth and the... is a pandemic that is not just a musician's. Yeah. I went on a serious tangent, but you, hopefully you kind of get what I mean. I love tangents, Joe. I live for them, especially on podcasts. It's also really, really funny that I get, I get that you invite me to do these kind of things because my, my mind goes like, and then I bring in like some random thing and then it's not that relevant and then you bring it another thing around. So hopefully you and people can kind of understand vaguely what I'm getting at. This is why I love talking and having these kind of conversations with these kind of questions with lots of different people is because you do just get a really broad idea of what people are like and how people converse and how people think about things or you know if I ask you about one thing why does it go to the next thing like I find it so interesting so you tangent all you want my friend (coughs) okay we're just coughing constantly um another number my friend 31 Ooh, what do you think happens after death? Hmm. Uh, in all honesty, I think nothing happens. I think that we will pass into the memories of the people that knew us. And I think that is a really beautiful thing. It's and... very poetic too. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, write that down. Yeah. I mean, it used to be something that I really thought about tons, like my like legacy. What will you leave behind? And I think I've come to a point in my life at the the at the you know the grey haired age of twenty six <laughs> that um what I would like to be remembered for is being a kind and empathetic friend to people. And I hope that it comes across in not only the work that we do but in the human relationships that I've that I hold. And I think if that is it then I'd be very pleased. Right. And so do you think we are just human beings, we die, and that's it? There's nothing higher, there's nothing more? I'm just curious. Um, I think... I think... I am and I'm not particularly spiritual, if that's kind of where the, the question is leading. Um, I don't believe in a single God. I certainly don't believe in an organised religion. But I find it very helpful to think of this not, you know, how and why we are how we are being thanks to a higher power. 
And I think that higher power is actually human relationships. But I would suggest, obviously not dictate how other people should go about their lives, but um, I would suggest that hoping for something that you don't, I just, I, I, I think the concept of, of a god and, and and or whatever sect of religion you fall into, just quite dangerous, because um, it stops you from engaging with what you're doing in this in this moment. As much as like you might preach, um, you know what happens now. I, I just think it's a different thing. Or what happened if you're going to act in a certain way now because something else might happen later. Yeah is uh makes everything you do kind of hollow and surely that's not a nice way to live to be constantly afraid of doing something like like a little bit kooky because it might not be allowed and it might affect how stuff happens later it seems a bit unfair and also, obviously, after like listening to like Stephen Fry interviews, it's very, uh, <laughs> a very um, the the way that he talks about it. You know, why would you? Why would you create an insect that goes inside the eyes of children? And yeah. why would you create leukemia? And I don't think a being that loves us would create pain in the way that it has. I completely agree, and I like what you said there about. I think, I mean, this is kind of what I've taken from what you said, shall I say, is that love is kind of the one thing that does unite us. So it could be that love is that oneness thing that no one can really understand, but it's inherent in everyone. And everything that we learn to do, like hate and whatever else, is kind of man-made learned behaviour. But I think children naturally love and children naturally need to be loved to become better human beings. Um, yeah. You know, like, a, it's true. We, we all want, we all want to be loved and we all want to give love. And that is, that is truly like the base at the base of everything. Why we do anything, you know, like mm-hmm. we were talking before, like I genuinely believe one of the reasons I started a band is because I wanted to be adored. And, then I obviously found that that uh, dichotomy of like oh, I can't be adored or or like liked, and but the base value of it is and we are why you're in relationships because you want to be loved. Why do you stay in touch with? It's we live in packs and we create our we create these groups and we create our communities because we all because we all want to love and and be loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, yeah, it was a nice... You tied up with a bow for me. Yeah, thank you. do you love a little bow? I'm going to ask my favourite question that I ask. I mean, I say I ask everyone. I don't, but I want to ask you it. Um, what was the most traumatic part of your childhood? Earthed. I have a, I have a, it's a really, really funny one. I'm not entirely sure what it is, 
okay. and whether it actually happened, but it's defined how I go about my life in so many ways after I've had to like, you know, been to counselors and talked about stuff and engaged with people. And I'm not entirely sure if it's real. So I'm not sure if this answers your question, but I have this very deep set memory or not memory. I don't know of being on like the third floor of my school when I was, I would have been around 11 and hoisting my legs up over the the windowsill and sitting there on the edge and just thinking I'm going to jump off and it's really really funny because then I don't remember what happens after that and I don't really remember what happened before that all I know is that it and it feels so unreal but it also feels like really 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 real and I can see how it has dictated so many of the decisions that I've made over my life um yeah in what ways has it dictated your decisions and stuff it's really difficult to describe um you know as well I only started to kind of engage with it when I had a different kind of weird psychosis kind of vibe where I walked into the again I'm just like I'm just I'm just kill myself and I'm gonna walk into the ocean and then just woke up as I like put my head under the water and then just walked home can't really describe them it's very very odd wow and uh, that that last one was a memory that I, like no that that, that one 100 percent i know happened wow so and which makes me think that maybe the maybe the the other one did happen as well yeah but like i don't remember walking again again i don't remember walking into the ocean i just remember being in it kind of like you were under some sort of spell well no, again I remember the moments before. I remember leaving the club I was in. I remember walking along the beach and then just like, and then the next bit that I like personally remember, remember is like, I was just in the water. But that was, that was, that wasn't like, that was like post first record of the band. So like, it wasn't like childhood. But ever since that, this, this other one just keeps flares up. So that must have been traumatic. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, I haven't told many people about that one. I certainly haven't told my parents about it or close family. I think I've explained it to Daisy once or twice. But, um, yeah. I very much appreciate you sharing. Oh, it's not about, yeah, I didn't mean it in that way. I, didn't, I promise I didn't need the appreciation of it. It's just, I think, for me, one of the ways, and I think you can probably tell from what we've spoken about so far, I ramble and my head comes from here to there and this is a topic that I don't really can't I don't I don't understand I don't have the words Mm -hmm. 
because I don't think I fully, I don't think it's been fully realised in my brain. So does the self-worth and stuff, does that tie into you feeling these kind of thoughts? Like, would you say that you've been suicidal on a couple of occasions? Is that yeah, how deep it feels? Yeah, 100%. Um, my little brother, uh, you know, we've spoken about this quite a few times with him and he's, he's he has similar situations. I think it's a, it is a chemical makeup that is something that I am going to is going to flare up in my life. Um, so yeah, 100% I would say that I felt that. Um, and I was talking about it with a friend last last night about like anxiety and depression and the things that it makes you do and the things that it makes you feel and, um, and how logical it feels. Like how rational the decision making process is like I have all this stuff going on I don't really want to deal with it so I guess the only way to do this to kind of make it stop or for me not to have to engage with all the other stuff is just to you know do the dirty um yeah but also you know I'm super super lucky because with a lot of help from some brilliant counsellors and, and the beautiful NHS and the support of my family and my friends and and my partner and a lot of self-love. Like, you, you come out the other side and then you're able to speak about it and talk about it and not be embarrassed of it and know that it's part of the identity and the makeup of who you are and what you are. Like, if I didn't feel things like this so acutely, I certainly wouldn't be able to write the songs that I think... I the most important of my career and um I wouldn't be able to have the perspective that I have now of like what I actually want from my life what is actually genuinely important to me um and you know at that period like the band was everything and if I didn't get to Wembley then I was a failure um like I didn't we didn't get top 10 on our record so I'd failed uh a band member left, so I'd failed them. Um, but, you know, after a situation like that, it turned more into, like, I had a lot of fun um, going out on the road. I have a lot of fun doing it. I got to spend a really lovely moment with a really talented colleague. Uh, and what is it that I actually want? And that is to be surrounded by really, really beautiful people I want to eat really great food I want to enjoy the moments that I'm in and those are my checklist of successes now rather than like fiscal reward rather than uh, the unquantifiable adoration of the faceless Um, yeah so I I answered your question in quite a roundabout way uh, because I can't actually remember much of it (laughs) and so when you do you feel like I'm guessing you go through stages of being in that depression anxiety phase and then you kind of come out of it the clouds lift in you're able to talk about it and self-reflect and stuff is it is it like that do you go in and out of it or was it a very specific periods of your life that triggered it I think I think it comes I think it does come in and out I wouldn't like that the the concept of the cloud I find it doesn't really 
I guess it does. I never really thought about it. It's just this numbness. Um, it feels more physical for me. It manifests less in this kind of like shroud of judgment, more just like my body is heavy. Um, you know, my eyes don't seem to pick up the things they would pick up before. Like, I know, I was just driving here and like at the other end of the road, God bless 2020 vision, like maybe a hundred yards away, there was this barber shop with like a window, big window, and this this barber was just like dancing and he just got this old lady out this thing and started like twirling her and I just like laughed out loud that's amazing do you know what I mean like little little moments like that I wouldn't see and if I did see I'd be like oh they have that right okay yeah the separation again that separation for me feeling very like body rather than mind okay um and that happens quite often but again I found a lot of very helpful ways to uh to mean that that doesn't happen as often and when I do when it does happen I have more perspective um and to the point now where like I don't think it will ever will happen well obviously it will happen but like if my family member to die if I didn't have one specific other if I didn't have the support structure I'd still believe that I'd be able to do it by myself because of the well, like, like not to find myself in the same situations that I seem to have found myself in in the past because of just finding structures that help me cling on to you know what I actually want I guess that is probably like the literal definition of growth is that you can life will still hand you the same shit it's just that you get better and better at dealing with it and I can completely relate um, even yesterday, girls, I'm sure you'll feel me <laughs> every time of the month. I that I really relate to what you said. It was this heaviness in the body rather than anything else. And I felt just debilitated and had no motivation, no inspiration, couldn't smile. Everything was crap. But the difference these days is is that I'm just much more mindful and I can see that they are just thoughts I'm having. And they're so not normal to the thoughts that I have on good days that I'm just like these are just thoughts and they're not real to me because yes I can I can be like oh I feel really fat and this is going really badly blah 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 but I'm I can also see objectively it's not you haven't put on a stone in a day like you just kind of know this stuff and you're able to see it for what it is and so I don't when I'm really sorry that I didn't I I thought this as I walked in you look amazing oh thanks I mean I have put on some weight I don't believe you I Um, mean I can show you the scales um body image is a really really funny one Mm. Um, yeah you've struggled a bit have you yeah I'm absolutely certain that I'm like a hundred stone and like I, I, I know when exactly you what you're in, talking I thought, about. Damn, you look good. Thanks. Sorry, Daisy. Yeah, yeah. You know. Damn. <laughs> um, no, but again, I thought exactly the same. Again, what 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 you see yourself sees, and what those around you see, are, they're just com- two completely different things. Um, um, I think it's really you know it's really important. It's beautiful when you find those get those compliments. Um, they're not going to be there every day. So we all we need to find ways to you and I need to find ways to to pick out the things that we like. Um, um, I've learned to love being called Fat John Snow 
like once weekly now. Is that what you get? It's called? kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's like John Snow and Samuel Tarley had a baby. Right. <laughs> or um, I'm going to pretend like I know who John Snow is because I don't watch Game of Thrones. Oh right, okay, okay. Well, he's just like, well fit. Right. And, well, that's um, definitely yeah, exactly. Thing, right? Yeah, it's nice to be regarded as fit, but it's just that caveat at the beginning. Yeah, you're fat. You're like a fat version. It's like oh, a fat fit version. Yeah, thanks, man. It's good to meet you. You're not fat. Um, <laughs> and Fat Jack Black comes up as well, and it's like, without being rude, Jack Black, it's I know that you're, you're 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 an avid listener of this podcast. I think I'm slightly slimmer than Jack Black. No offense, mate. I'd um, agree with that. <laughs> so, ouch. Yeah. Does that affect you, or do you? Can you see uh, you what see, it is now? You see the humor in these things now, don't you? Um, I would say it was definitely more of an issue. Uh, a few years ago um but again a lot like this stuff like um i do i do a lot of, play a lot of sport and, and go running go to the gym a lot more now so i have a lot more body confidence because i have made very specific changes to my lifestyle that means that like i i wouldn't and, and can't be like it's not logical that I would be as big as I seem to think that I am or as ugly as I think that I am because <laughs> you know it's impossible <laughs> it would it is impossible yeah. unless I had like a severe medical disability which I don't thankfully yeah. so would you say you've got body dysmorphia then oh, um dangerous because I don't want to I would say that a lot of people have a lot worse mm, yes I agree um so I don't really like myself. I don't think it's the same as some some things these poor these poor like people have um, because I don't think it's just a feminine issue. Definitely but it does, not. but it does seem to kind of fit in that world a lot more. You know, well, more often, or I mean, you hear about it more often. Um, just yeah, terrible. Did it flare up more when you started doing Amberan and performing on stage? Is that when it kind of reached a peak or was it all, all your life? Um, the Amberan, it's more, the Amberan stuff would be more like when I sat back and looked at photos of the show. Oh my God, same. Preach yeah. to the choir. So like, I'm pretty sure I'm badass when I'm up there because you kind of, you have to, you have to live it. You have to be certain that what you're doing is worth doing and you have to be, it's an it's an it's it's an art form in itself performance and if you have self doubt it's going to harm the performance itself um you put on i put on like different clothes when i go on stage so i feel like a different version of myself or um you know sometimes sometimes that doesn't work sometimes halfway through the show you're like oh, i'm doing terribly and you kind of just Peace all the way down, you get the show finished with. But on the most part, I would say that you, you put on your armour and just perform. So I'm not... I wouldn't say that it turns up that often because I feel like I'm not really Joe Keogh when I'm on stage. I am, yeah, Joe of Amber Run. Yeah. Um, or Joshua of Amber Run. <laughs> so you get called a lot. Well, no, it's just that I've always done it, like... Joe is for friends and family. Joshua is what I've always been called for music. So I know right. when people don't actually know me. Right. When they come up and start calling me Josh. Right. Which is actually really useful. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Because then you can switch into like, 
you know, your script that yeah. you have for the music industry or the uh, or the fans. Yeah, I um I feel the exact same way. In fact, I was so close last tour to just being like can I would it be okay to just put something on Twitter like please don't take photos and I was like no I can't deny people taking photos of gigs but um, I just I can't stand looking back at them when I get tagged on them on Instagram I'm like oh please God don't do this because it just I just go into a spiral of I mean I try not to these days I don't let myself talk badly about myself but when I see photos like that I'm like stay away else I will go into a hole I think there'll come a moment where you'll be able to. We should we should be looking at them objectively. You know, it's free publicity. People are taking photos and promoting your music for you. you yeah. Know, without you having to do it. Um, that's how I try and think about it now. Um, that's a much better way of looking at it. It's it, yeah. I mean, it's a bit like when people take videos at shows. Like I'd prefer if you didn't because it sounds terrible and you're like ruining the experience for other people but cynically that can go up on your Facebook or your stuff and people that haven't otherwise heard what you're doing at least hear it you know although I've got to be honest if someone ever posts a video of a show I never listen to it really or even you know when people like Instagram story just they're at a gig and it's fucking an hour long of them I would never listen to it I'm like next Mm. maybe I'm alone in that man I'm sure you're not alone um, I fucking adore playing live so I quite like to go back to those places I mean I'm not like a, I wouldn't say that like I stand there and, and and if I have a if I have a moment I'll like my first thought is to be like I'm gonna hashtag Amber Run and go see what what, <laughs> yeah. what I can find but um, if they turn up or someone goes oh, I saw this video shows it kind of into it you know I really enjoy playing live so I get that I get a really great rush of yeah I get a bit like an out it's kind of out of body as I said like it's a different it's like a different person but then you know it's you so it's a weird yeah and I guess that again that ties into the self-worth thing where you don't feel amazing as yourself that gives you an hour to be someone else and to because I, I mean I feel the same nerves definitely before shows and but you kind of you have to fake it to make it there's no way you could go out there and be like oh god I don't know what I'm doing I'm like I have to be the singer in metal like I know these songs I'm gonna play them even though everything in me wants to die at that point because I'm so nervous have to I just act like I'm fine people are like you don't look nervous I'm like it's because it's an act trust me but isn't it isn't it funny as well All, all this stuff it feels like is perspective like when I get nervous, I'm like, oh, this feels great. Really? I'm about to do something that I'm really scared of. It's going to be, like, it's going to be fun. You like nerves? You like the feeling of them? Well, it might just be for, like, playing live because I know that I like it. You know, obviously, sometimes these these feelings that you get are what you, you say that they are. Like, um, you know that feeling of like testosterone anxiety kind of like when you feel like you're getting a heart attack is very I feel very similar to like nervous energy or the adrenaline when like you're about to like do something that you're a bit scared of it's the same kind of chemical makeup throwing it in there and it's just what your head is telling you that it is 
Your anxiety is just like nervous energy happening at the wrong time. You know? Um, that's how I've always felt about it. Obviously, I'm not a medical doctor. Don't. <laughs> but um, I like that. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's perspective. It's how, what you think, whether that feeling is bad or not. So if if the next time that you get nervous, you go, it's great that I'm nervous because it means that I care, that I'm going to do a great job. And I have this extra spurt of energy that's going to make sure that like I can get through this and I like, really nail it. That's how I think about it, nerves, now. Because if I didn't get nervous, I'd know that I didn't really care about how good it was. And if I don't care how good it is, then you know the performance will suffer and the people that come and watch the show won't enjoy it as much so their their enjoyment will suffer um and if you wanted to be super cynical if that happens then they're not going to come back so fiscally i can't live in the house that i live in anymore so my life will suffer <laughs> yeah so really I'm, we've got to be thankful for our nerves that they were there in the first place i love that do you apply that same mentality to everyday anxiety um, I guess it's different. You're not obviously performing when you go into the shops or anything, but yeah, no, I do know. I do get do you get what you mean. I would say like an element of that comes into it, but again, we've all created structures and mechanisms that we that we use to like be able to go about our daily lives, and I would say that is one that I've just. You know, a positive mental outlook sounds quite, you know, like hippy dippy. I've generally just found it helps. It really, really does. Um, and you know, if other people have found other ways, then that's like that's wicked. Mm-hmm. But this is just one way that seems to have worked for me with that kind of stuff. Amazing! Yeah. I love that. I like what you said about it's just nerves at the wrong time. Is that what you said? Something yeah, like that. something like that. I don't know. As we've said before, I tend to ramble. <laughs> and then if you if you grab that, then that's what it is. <laughs> I can already see it. It's going to be the quote on Instagram now. Um, okay, pick another number. Uh, it's up to 70, right? Yes. Uh, and I picked 80 on my episode, and I'm meant to be the host of this. Right, 92. <laughs> uh, 26. Okay. Ooh, I, re- I reckon you're going to answer this one well. Where do you find meaning in your life? Where do I find meaning in my life? Um, where do I find meaning? Firstly, I guess, life? do you even think life is meaningful on the whole? Or do you think it's meaningless? I think it's unbelievable. It's like literally flowing over with meaning. I love that. Because what? Otherwise, generally, what is the point? But then, you know, early, this is, I'm just curious now. Earlier you said you don't think anything happens after death and that it's just that, we live, we die. In that mentality for me, I'm like, well, then what is the fucking point? Where is the meaning? Um, well, so, th- yeah, well, this here and now, this situation, this conversation is, is, the, is meaning. Like, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what happens when, when we die. Like, like... At what point culturally and socially we did did we decide that um that to be good means that I get something in return like that's not how relationships work that's not how life works like 
you know, I've kept up with you, and it sounds like you've had a really, really fucking tough time this last couple of stuff. That isn't because you're not a good person. It wasn't like you were bad in a past life, so yeah. all this shit has happened to you. Or like, you're bad in your life, so bad stuff has happened. You, like, hopefully you know that's true. Like it's, and, 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 I, and, I, and I know it for how I live my life as well, you know, like, I know for a fact that I've done some things that I'm not super, super proud of, you know, like, I have retorted in anger, I have like, I've like not been the perfect partner, I haven't been the perfect son, I haven't been the perfect brother, but like, I have also done a ton of really great stuff, um, and life doesn't, isn't dictated by that all you can do is be as well in my opinion the, the the traits that i think are important as like kind empathetic um uh dedicated as you can be to the things that are important to you and then the rest will look after itself like you literally can't control it so does does my life where do i find meaning I would say genuinely in conversations like this, I would say in like hidden moments with the, with people that you respect, that you love and in like really tasty food. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Same. Um, and, um, for, yeah, for, for for me there's so many important things that we can and there's so many places you can find meaning and so I understand meaning in a religious sense and, and after death and stuff but wouldn't it be so much nice if we put the same passion and drive that we do towards that into into just the people around us wouldn't that be really really nice yeah because then charitable work isn't because of what well, means that I get this later uh, single kind acts aren't because karma yeah uh, but just because because and I think uh, who was that I was speaking to I think I said this on another episode but the guy from Aqualung we were having a chat what and a he... band strange and beautiful yeah what right? a show. What a song. he was telling he when we were just talking about music and the industry and all the crap that goes with it and he was like that's never where any of the good stuff is though the good stuff is just us two having a chat or you just being watching tv with your friend or like yeah just at a random restaurant on a thursday night that's always where the good stuff is and when those people go, those are the things you're not going to remember. You're not going to remember, oh, when we've got a number one album or like, all oh, that stuff's so irrelevant. It's always the connection and the conversations that you have that, yeah, are the meaningful bits. All the other stuff's just noise. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's good to remind yourself of that as much as possible because it's so... Even today, I'm like, okay, yeah, we're doing a podcast, thinking ahead, like, I need to edit this, blah, blah, blah. I'm, no, just, like, sit in it. Just enjoy the conversation now rather than your head constantly running towards something or thinking that went wrong then, how can I stop this now? Just enjoy moments for what they are because they won't be here for very long. Yeah, I mean, literally nail on the head. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, 
it's really that's the meaning yeah um yeah i like that okay we probably have time for one more question um yeah pick a number uh 20 no 30 30 okay what is your most cherished childhood memory Hmm. most cherished see I can't remember basically any of my childhood my memory I'm thinking maybe it's all the Pepsi Max that I drank growing up I don't have a memory I swear to god I can remember things only from photos I don't like fizzy drinks no? no not really but then you like hot drinks right? I I don't like like hot hot drinks. drinks I do like hot drinks at least we can come together on alcohol yeah yeah that's okay we can do that <laughs> um i have so many i've like most cherished is going to be quite tough okay um i had a my mum and dad are, are excellent they're beautiful people obviously they have their issues uh but two better role models i can i couldn't have asked for um and there are so many little moments i remember going on a on a on a barging holiday wow in Wales, and that's a cool holiday to go on as a kid oh give me a break it was <laughs> <laughs> we went we even went to center parks really yeah. i've been to center parks as well i mean it was amazing didn't yeah, you know? yeah 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 the high ropes yeah um the rapids yeah the rapids were sick <laughs> um i remember i remember falling falling in the water uh and my dad and mum just like screaming like, no, you're, no, you're okay. <laughs> and it went up, got up to my like ankles. <laughs> right. And I was, I can't remember how old it was. And then just like, just that, and then just everyone just laughing. I love that. I just that. remember that just being really lovely. Um, that switch of like panic mode to like on the floor laughing kind of. Because <laughs> my dad could be quite nervous. Uh yeah, it was just really funny. I had a similar, really similar story, actually. There was, like, a woods behind our house, and you walk down this really steep hill, and then there's a river at the bottom. And it must have been, like, raining heavily or had been raining heavily. And there was this massive tree that had fallen over the river, so you could just walk across the tree to get to the other side. And Dad was like, come on, like, let's walk across the log. And I was like, no. I mean, I can't remember how old I was, of course. But um, I was adamant I didn't want to walk across it. But you it. had a Pepsi Max in your hand. <laughs> of course I did. Um, I was adamant I didn't want to walk across it because I could see it was slippery. But my dad was there. He was like, come on, we're going to walk across it. It'll be fine. And lo and behold, as soon as we get on this log, we both fall into the river. And there's me like creaming, swearing, like, dad, I told you I didn't want to walk. And he was just crying with laughter because he was like, I've... I mean, yeah, similar story. Yeah. Are you, have you always had a good relationship with your parents? Yeah, I'd say so. There's been some really, obviously, some really difficult times. But uh, my grandfather passed away really recently, and that hit our family really, really hard. Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. That's oh, okay. Death, death happens, and like. Yes, it does. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, you know well. Um. It. It's. It's absolutely going to happen. Um. And you know, we got time to. He died of cancer, and we got we got time to hang out and see him like uh, I gotta remember we were on we were on the road were you on this tour I can't remember we were, it was in Newcastle and it was Will's birthday that rings a or bell or Tom's birthday sorry 
Okay, now it doesn't. <laughs> I don't know how that's um, true. I mean, you are asking the wrong person, even though I was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Too much Pepsi Max, I remember. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to live that down now, am I? <laughs> um, but we were playing in playing in Newcastle, and I remember getting getting a getting a call, and we had a day off the day after. Um, and my mum, my mum, just being like, "You need to come up right now." And then obviously I was right in the middle of tour, so I think it's like smack bang in the middle. We had another like two weeks or something. Um, and, and she was like, "Honestly, forget one of the shows. It was just luck. You, you should come tomorrow." And I got to see him the day before he died. And I just think that kind of stuff's really... We're talking about like moments and meaning. That's, that's really, really powerful. And I'm really, really grateful for it. But um, yeah, that hit our family really, really hard. Um, and my mum in particular really, really has, has been struggling. Um, which obviously has a ripple effect on everyone. And, and because she's such a powerful lady and... and Everyone's struggled for a bit, but I think the thing about our family that I'm really, really grateful for is there's just a fierce, there's just this ferocious love. Like, sometimes we don't click, and sometimes we get angry, and we're very, very emotional family, and sometimes there's a lot of like, well, you know, I don't get angry so much, but, you know, like, there is, can be tension. Um, But, there is also just this, yeah, this ferocity to the amount we adore each other. That means that, you know, even if other horrible things were to happen, there would have to be some pretty turgid stuff would have to happen to mean that I wouldn't pick up a call or like turn up when I need to turn up. And so, yeah, I've always had a good relationship with my parents, and long may it continue. And I think I'm really lucky in that. Um, that sounds so beautiful. I've never heard anyone talk about their family with with such love with a ferocious oh, they're love a, they're a, they're, they can be very annoying as with all family uh, yeah. i guess um but all the decisions that have ever been made in my family have been made for the right reasons even if it didn't turn out how it was supposed to turn out and i i can ask for to be around better better people and I'm starting to get to know my my extended family a lot more as well which I'm really really grateful for because my cousin now lives with me and Daisy and like I knew I knew her when I was growing up but we always lived quite far apart and then she came and lived with us we started living this about a year ago and I'm really grateful for that you know family's like um I wouldn't say like you know like there's like American core American values of like family uh I don't know what the other I'm not American, so I don't know. <laughs> that was never... I wouldn't say it's like... I'd describe it as a pillar, but I just it's always just been so stable for me. That's amazing. And it's just always been a really kind and safe space to go back into. And I'm really, really grateful for it. Um, and I guess I'll probably take it for granted quite often. But if you get an opportunity like, like this to talk about how great they are you realise it. it again yeah. and how have you as a family dealt with grief is it the first time you have experienced grief like that yeah definitely um, I wrote a song called Amen oh wait did you is that the one that you sang for no there was one when we were on tour, you had written a song and you just showed it to me and Dan and that downstairs yeah. bit. Was it that it? Yeah, I think so. so. It would have been that tour then. Yeah, it would have been. So yeah, I churned that out like two days 
And it was incredible. Oh, it really, really, really was incredible. You know, it was, it's quite on the nose. Basically, it was the eulogy that I wish that I'd written. Because I, wrote, I read at the funeral, which was, you yeah, know, fucking well hard. Um, so hard. But I read a, you know, I read a poem that I'd never read, seen before the day. Because I was on tour and I didn't have time. And, I, and then I realised, like, I should have taken the time. I should have found something that was important to our relationship. Now, he loved Liverpool Football Club. I love Liverpool Football Club. Why don't I read You'll Never Walk Alone? Do you know what I mean? Or something like, something like that. Yeah. But instead I wrote this, read this poem by Bob Marley and like, I don't really identify with, you know, what I, what I read. Um, um, and so I was just like, well, I, I should write the eulogy that I wish that I'd given. And not to like, quote myself but I can be relatively prosaic and like a little bit overly romantic with a capital R and I'm not sometimes I feel it very acutely and sometimes I'm like oh Jay push that a little bit too far but like sometimes that grief can be super super intense so I was just like let's push it to like where I, where I was the, the moment like in the most intense moments and it was like uh um, could you read like the whole song for us? Do you know it off by heart? Uh, yeah, probably could. Um, are those real angels in the magazines? Is there a heaven you'd know now you've been? Um, and are those real stars that hang in the sky, or are they man-made, a trick of the light? Amen. Um, and is there a god up there? If so, where does he hide? Because the devil is raging inside my mind. And is there a moment when it all makes sense, when saying goodbye doesn't feel like the end, amen? And sometimes I can't help blaming you for leaving me here, what am I supposed to do? There's plenty of women, there's drink and there's drugs, but we both know that won't be enough. Because I see you in the daytime and I hear you at night. There's a pale imitation burnt in my eyes. I don't want to be here, I don't know what to do. Sometimes I'd rather be dead, at least then I'm with you, amen. Very apt. I'm sorry. That's all right. It's grief, isn't it? It is, and it comes out in very specific ways. But you know that feeling. We we sang it. We we literally just did a tour out in the states, and it was the first tour that we played it every single night. And I don't think I really want to play it every night anymore. Uh, yeah, it's. I on this tour, I sang a song called "Embody" to that mum and. I mean, every single night I couldn't get through it and I'd stop at the second verse every single time and just play the chords and luckily the, all the audiences kind of knew so they were kind of clapping and yeah. cheering me on but I, just, I, was, I love that song. I just don't think I can ever play it live yeah. ever again. I was uh, I, One of my first shows that I ever did was with a woman called Kate Walsh. And oh, yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, and she... she, uh, she um, explained it very poignantly she was like I'm not entirely sure I want to do play many more shows because every single song I write is a song about something bad that's happened to me and every single time it's like ripping off the scab <laughs> yeah and when you think that you've like healed just one show on tour you feel it very acutely all over again and um you know songs are beautiful moments and time capsules of how you felt at a very specific time um, and sometimes 
you can find meaning in them in different moments, like further down the line. Um, so I'm absolutely certain it won't be the last time that we play a song like Amen. But I'm at a point in my life now where when it comes to playing live shows and when it comes to me as a person, I want to soundtrack some of the best moments of my life and some of the best moments of other people's. I want to soundtrack good moments of their lives as well as the bad ones. And Amen feels... Yeah, like it wouldn't be serviced in that kind of situation. Mm. And, but then again, if you know, if people want to hear it, then we'll keep on playing it. But it's just very, very painful. Yeah, really painful. Wow. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah. Grief and death. Um, um, have you got? Let's let's end on something nicer. Have you got a life motto, something you live by, to just keep you happier in the days of grief and death and sadness? <laughs> Um, I find I find a lot of solace in uh, that whatever is happening, whatever is happening today, whatever you have coming up in the next couple of months, like that time will march ceaselessly on, and it doesn't think of you, and it doesn't think of me, and it will carry on. And you can carry on with it, whatever is happening at a specific moment. And it might be really terrible, and you might feel really, really terrible. But there's an there's always an opportunity for things to get better if you want it to get better. Wow, beautiful! Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having and, me. Yeah, you're so welcome. And apologies uh, for rambling. You never need to apologise. Um, thank you for listening to series one. I'll be back soon. Um, and yeah, thanks, Joe. How awesome was that conversation? Joe, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. Guys, I really hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed doing it with Joe. Well, I didn't do it with Joe. <laughs> oh, Okay, so there's that. This is actually the series finale, though, last episode of series one, and it's been a wonderful ride. I've never done a podcast before. I didn't know what this was going to entail, but I have loved every single minute of it. So thank you so much if you've listened, and if you haven't listened to every episode, make sure you go back and check them out, because I think they're really good, and I really liked doing them, and... I don't know, maybe I want validation like every other human being on the planet. I already have guests lined up for series two. I don't think you'll be disappointed. There's some amazing people on there. In fact, every single person is amazing. So it doesn't matter who the guest is, but make sure you find us on Instagram and Twitter at We Dive Deeper. And you can keep up to date with when series two is beginning and who's on there and just have more of a conversation maybe a little community. I don't know. But again, thank you so much. Make sure you subscribe and you're the best guys. This has been awesome and I'll see you on series two.